Habits and Health, episode 28. Welcome to the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. Brought to you by an educator and coach for anyone who wants to create a healthier life. Here's your host, Tony Winyard. Welcome to the Habits and Health podcast. I'm delighted to be chatting today with Jo Uff, who is an NLP master practitioner and coach. She is passionate about the importance of psychological well-being and dedicates her time to working with women, empowering them to strengthen positive mindsets and well-being. And through coaching, Jo helps them to work towards the outcomes they want to achieve and overcome challenges they're facing in all aspects of their personal and professional life. And our conversation today focuses on a a positive mindset and a few other areas as well. So we're going to hear more from Joe in just a minute. And if you know anyone who you feel will get some value from this episode, please do share the episode with them. Right now, time for this week's show. Habits and health. And my guest today is Joe Uff. And I just realized I didn't check with you. I always check with my guests how to pronounce their surname. I didn't check with you. So did I did I say that right? You got it completely right, Tony. Absolutely spot on, which is very unusual for people. (laughs) Why? How how else could it be pronounced? Oof. Um, yeah us it's people just you know i I, i've got to the stage where every time i say my surname i follow it by uff you know it's kind of a habit that i've got into (laughs) that that's how i that's how i tell people what my surname is And, and where does the name originate from so I blame it on my husband, which is where I got the surname in the first place. But it's um, it's from Suffolk. It's a, a, a sort of a, a name that goes back years and years and years. It's Suffolk based. So would that be like a Viking origin then, I guess? I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know exactly. But um, yeah, he did apologise for making me take that name. <laughs> so Joe, tell, tell the listeners about what is it that you do? So I am a well-being coach. Um, I coach people uh, in their personal life and also their professional life. And my focus is all around positive mindset and strengthening positive mindset. And looking at aspects of the mindset that are disempowering or unresourceful and actually working with them to change the beliefs, the behaviours, the habits, the values that really no longer serve them and are getting in the way of them being, doing and having more of what they want in their life. Well, there's loads to explore in that. So (laughs) so where am I going to start? So how, how did you get into that in the first place? What was it? What was the path that led you into that? So it was actually my own personal situation that got me into it. Um, so I guess a, a number of years ago, I found myself in a situation where everything felt pretty pointless, a bit futile, quite negative. Um, I didn't find any joy in life. It was like life was happening to me. Mm. And um, finding uh, NLP, so Neuro Linguistic Programming, which I can explain a little bit about, but that helped me to create, you know, sort of habits that completely transformed my life. Um, 
And I guess um, even, you know, things like setting really good, clear, positive outcomes and um, stopping that mind reading that we do. So we make assumptions about what we think people think about us or what we think is going to happen or why a particular thing happened um, and and switching that to be far more positive and, and thinking, well, am I mind reading or is that actually true? So I, so I came into uh, being um, a well-being coach through my own personal experience. I'd done quite a lot of business coaching and still do a lot of business coaching. Um, but this element of my coaching was, was just something that I just found so fascinating, completely transformed my life, and I wanted to help other people do the same. So, well, you mentioned NLP there, and as you mentioned, it's it's probably worth it's a it's a term that I think a lot of people have heard, but aren't so sure exactly what it is. So, do you want to tell us more about NLP? Yeah, I mean, it's a type of performance psychology. It's used in lots of different types of coaching, and it really the tools and techniques work with the conscious and the subconscious mind to reprogram and heal. Um, so it can be about resolving, um, resolving unwarranted negative emotions. It can be, um, uh, removing or upgrading beliefs that you have. And it's, uh, amazing in terms of shifting behaviors and shifting habits that, that you've got. So it, it really is about, um, reprogramming the brain, um, and getting the things out of the way, some of which have probably been with you since early childhood, because that's where a lot of our sort of identity level beliefs and behaviours come from, um, and upgrading them so that you can get on with your life and, and have a more empowering life. So what, how long ago was it that you first did it at NLP? Um, oh, gosh, uh, three years ago now, three years ago. And so how would you say things have changed since since then, since learning that? For me, as an individual, just com- completely, entirely, my sort of whole life has changed in terms of my outlook on life, what I'm doing. I probably never would have had the confidence to be a personal coach Um without it so my whole life has has transformed as a result of it it is a very very powerful um method of coaching and and what how would you say because i'm wondering how you use it with your the people you're working with your clients you're working with how has it helped you to help them so um I think the, the difference between um, coaching with NLP and um, some other forms of coaching, um, so counselling and talking therapy and things like that, they're, they're very good at helping you to um, surface things, think things through, maybe you know work them through um, at a conscious level. What NLP does that is completely different is that it identifies those things and it goes in and alters them and changes them and upgrades them. So a lot of people come away from different types of therapy saying, well, that's great. I understand now why I feel like I do, but what do I do about it? 
Um, and the difference is that NLP actually enables the tools and techniques with NLP enable you to actually do something about it to get a good shift. And so what is there, do you have like a typical type of client? Who is it you work with? I tend to work mostly with women, with mums, uh, people that are ready to move forward in their life, but they don't really know how or they've got specific challenges or obstacles or blocks. Um, some people that are suffering uh, from PTSD for whatever reason, um, a whole range of different scenarios, I guess, but it tends to be mostly women um, and, and quite a lot of those women are mums. So without sort of giving any names, can you give us an example of a challenge maybe that, that one of your clients had that you were able to help them resolve and they're in a better place now? Sure, yeah. So um, there is, an, I, I talked about PTSD a minute ago, and there is a, a, a an amazing woman who um, had been suffering um, from PTSD for a number of years, um, and it was pretty all-consuming, um, uh, was something that she couldn't even allow to sort of enter her thought process without the whole sort of um, reaction, physical, psychological and physiological reaction to it. And in a short number of sessions, I think it was only two sessions actually um, for this particular lady, um, her PTSD has completely gone. And when I last spoke to her, she said that she had been able to very, um, very unemotionally, she'd been able to chat with someone about the situation and what had occurred and her memories of the situation. And um, was she was amazed that she never thought that she would ever be able to do that. So that's a that's a really good example of how it can be so life changing. And so do you, I, I'm guessing it's, you know, this is a bit like asking how long is a piece of string, but with all your different clients, I'm guessing with some, you, you only need maybe a, a few sessions and others could take many, many months, even years. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all down to, um, it's all down to how much that person has to deal with and wants to deal with at a particular time. Right. We always start by setting outcomes. You know, what is it you, where is it you want to be in 12 months time? What do you want life to be like? And then we start looking at what's getting in the way of you being able to achieve that outcome. Yeah. And for some people, that might be one very specific thing. And two or three sessions would be enough to, to help them. Other people have got a lot more going on from a, in their terms of experiences and background um, and really want to try and get as much resolved as possible. I would say, though, any more than three months from an NLP coaching perspective is unnecessary. Right. Um, you hear of, you know, other, as I say, other coaching uh, methods where some people are there for years and years and years. But with NLP, it's kind of a go in, do it fast, help people to get a significant shift and help them to sort of move forward in their life. I guess there's also a situation where initially they start off with, right, I want to work on X. 
and then you help them resolve X and then that uncovers some other things in a different area of their life and then that can lead on to something else. And... Completely. And um, it's one of those things that the more you the more you get in tune with yourself and start recognising some identity level beliefs that you have about yourself that are getting in the way or behaviours that are getting in the way or um, emotions that are surfacing unnecessarily, the more you become in tune with those things, the more there is to work on. And I know when I was doing my training um, to be able to coach this form of this type of coaching, I had a massive long list of, oh, there's another thing to work on for myself. So you do. Um, and there will always be new experiences that come up. There will always be new situations. And actually your subconscious has a very interesting way of surfacing things to your conscious mind at the point that it's ready for them to be dealt with. So there might be something that really you haven't thought about for years and years and years. Um, And then it'll pop up and and you think, right, that's actually getting in the way and I need to deal with it now. And that will continue throughout your life. So it's not ever a case of, well, we'll do so many coaching sessions and then you'll be off you go forever. Uh, It is a continuous process. And you mentioned before, I think you were saying, you know, before you were doing some sort of sort of life business coaching type stuff, and now it's more kind of wellness. But they're so interconnected. So I'm, I, I'm guessing often when you help someone with various wellness issues, that actually helps them in their life and their business and, and so on. Absolutely, absolutely, and certainly when it's around mindset, it's it's very well. It's almost impossible to kind of. Um, to limit it to I only think about this when I'm at home and I only think about this when I'm working or or working on my business. So there's definitely a bleed into, you know, one into the other. And sometimes the, the, you know, it could be an example. Let me give you an example. So someone who really lacks self-confidence and and suffers from self-confidence is not really ever going to be able to reach their full potential in their career um, because they're they're getting in the way of themselves. Their lack of self-confidence will stop them from going for new jobs or going for, um, you know, a different role or whatever it might be. So, yes, there's definitely a, a significant overlap. When it comes to mindset, what are the sort of most frequent issues you come you you find in your clients with mindset? What are the problems they deal with most? Oh gosh, is there a most frequent? Because I um, because I support women quite a lot. I find there are. This might be the same for men. I'm generalising now, but there are a huge number of women that suffer from a lack of self-worth. There are also a huge number of women who are completely overwhelmed. And because they're completely overwhelmed, um, their stress levels are very high and they start to believe that they're no good. Um, You know, I'm not a good mum. I'm not a good partner. I'm not a good employee. So they then, you know, they kind of, it kind of almost escalates in terms of 
that initial feeling of overwhelm starts to become an identity level belief that they have about their, themselves as an individual. And certainly over the, you know, over the pandemic, um, seen that even more with mums trying to work at home, trying to homeschool, trying to you know, run the house, trying to deal with parents, whatever they're doing, I've seen an awful lot more people that are just feeling um, like they're just a, a complete failure in life. You talked there about identity and you also earlier you referred to habits and there's, there's such a, a close relation between those, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of our habits, um, a lot of our habits are driven by our emotional, core emotional needs. And our core, core emotional needs are linked to our identity. So um, I'll just explain a bit about core emotional needs, actually. So we have these three core emotional needs. Everyone has them. They're linked to our sense of survival. And they are the need for love, certainty and significance. And they are so important that actually, if we don't meet those needs, our brain starts to believe that our survival is at stake. And therefore, we go into a bit of a state of despair. And we'll actually do whatever needs to be done, good habit or bad habit in this case, to meet those emotional needs. So the habits that we have are quite often driven by meeting a core emotional need that we have. And what, I'm just, so for example, with the people you've been working with, what are some of the maybe surprises that some of your clients have had by, they've, they've, you've managed to help them with a particular habit, whatever it might be, which has helped them maybe see themselves in a different way and identify themselves in a different way that has really surprised them? Is there anything along those lines you can think of? Um, I think there are people who either, either have wanted to create new habits or have wanted to break existing habits, but never, ever believed that it would be possible to do it. Right. So they've got to the stage where they've accepted that they're either not going to be able to do something ever, and that might be a you know a fitness habit or something like that. I'm just never going to be able to do it, so I'm just going to give up trying. Or they've wanted to break a habit that they've had for a long, long time and just accepted that they're not going to be able to break it. And they are very often very surprised by the fact that in quite a short period of time, they have been able to make a shift. Mm. And, and I guess sometimes it's a case of often just reframing something because sometimes someone can have a real negative perspective on fitness or nutrition or whatever it might be. And just by looking at it in a different way, it can seem much easier than they initially thought it was going to be. Yeah, completely. I mean, negative associations that we have with things will absolutely prevent us from doing them. Mm. And it links back to that bit that I was talking about in terms of core emotional needs. If you've got a negative association with something, it's not going to meet your, one of your core emotional needs. Mm. And 
or you'd need a huge amount of willpower to do something that doesn't meet one of your core needs and continue doing it. Mm. That's why New Year's resolutions don't work very often because when we, I don't know, we might have one about, you know, getting fitter or something like that. And when we start that journey of getting fitter, it's really hard Um, it's painful it takes us away from doing other things that we want to do and it's not meeting our core needs and so that's why so many people give up because willpower isn't often strong enough to get through to the stage where you do feel better and therefore it does start to meet one of your core needs because you feel really good about yourself and and on that um new year's resolutions <laughs> one of the things I would say, I mean, I've got no evidence to back this up, but in the last 10 years, meditation is more and more in the news. And we kind of briefly spoke about meditation before we started recording. But I, I get the impression that more and more people are, are said in a New Year's resolution, well, I want to meditate on a more frequent basis. And then they give up for a variety of reasons. Is this something you've come across? Have, have you had clients who have really wanted to meditate but have just struggled for whatever reason? Yeah, meditation, positive aff- affirmations, gratitude lists. Um, a lot of people can see the benefit of doing those things but can't create a habit out of doing those things. Mm. Um, and what I... What I help them work on is it's not the thing itself. It's what outcome are you trying to achieve from doing that thing? And focus on the outcome, make it a really clear and positive outcome because that helps your brain to think about it in a positive way. And then you're kind of almost setting a future memory of how life will be when you've achieved this outcome by doing this thing. And if that's meditation or positive affirmations or gratitude or whatever it is, you're actually giving it a real purpose rather than just another thing to do. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you are looking for deep support to create the health and life you want, we invite you to consider one-on-one coaching sessions with Tony. Coaching sessions give you personalised guidance to fit your unique goals and life situation. Only a limited number of spots are available, but you can easily get started by booking a free introductory call at tonywinyard.com. Now back to the show. It seems to me there's also an aspect of people... I think they maybe have unrealistic expectations and they expect just just by starting meditation that everything's going to be rosy and light just within a few days or, or whatever the case may be, and it's, it's slightly unrealistic. Absolutely. I mean, I would say with anything like meditation or the other things I've described around positive affirmations, gratitude, um, anything like that, uh, even just uh, creating more positive um emotions you need it needs consistent work for at least six weeks before it starts to change the way you feel and what would what do you say to people who think they're doing it wrong that they're probably not 
Um, that absolutely. I mean, I would always check in with them, I guess, in terms of, well, how are you doing it? Um, and, and the likelihood is they're not doing anything wrong. They've just not been doing it for long enough. And may, and maybe they're, you know, that if they're wanting to give up, that's because they're not clear about why they're doing it in the first place. You, you talked before about um, hypnotherapy, and I think you, you use hypnotherapy with some clients. Is that right? I do, yeah. Not, um, it's a different, it's not necessarily about the sort of giving up smoking kind of hypnotherapy. Um, it's more about helping them to, with some people, take a, you know, a serious trauma, as an example. It's quite difficult in a conscious state to address some of those and to release some of those. But by taking someone into a hypnotic state, it allows their subconscious mind to work things through more easily without the um, significant emotion that would be attached to it. And so what kind of things might you use something like hypnotherapy for then? Oh my goodness! Anything that anything that you do in uh, NLP can be done in in hypnosis. So we might have take an example. We might have someone that has a uh, identity an identity level belief about themselves, and you would there is a particular technique that we use in NLP to help them to um, upgrade that belief, and you can do that by taking them into hypnosis. You can also even just setting outcomes. So getting really clear on your your future and visualizing that as if it's happened and you're there. And if, when you're in a conscious state, there's probably 101 other things sort of floating around in your mind about what have I got to do for the rest of the day and what am I having for tea tonight and, you know, what's my daughter doing right now and whatever it might be. Take someone into hypnosis and it removes all that. It removes all that clutter in the mind that's going on and allows the subconscious to do what it needs to do. And do you find that there's some people who are just very unable to get themselves, well, they're just more resistant maybe to, to hypnosis or something along those lines? It would definitely be a resistance rather than unable to. And actually, though, hypnosis is no different to that first stage just before you go to sleep. So you're not taking them into some kind of weird state. You're just taking them down a few levels in terms of brain activity. Um, And so, yeah, it's, you know, the worst thing that would happen in hypnosis is you would fall asleep. (laughs) Uh, in terms of you know you and then you wake up again so um so yeah it would definitely be a resistance and that resistance might be a a concern about well what is it going to be like or um what's going to happen or so and it you know with clients it's all about just addressing those concerns to reassure them that the the worst that will happen is you'll fall asleep and this is, again, something we sort of touched upon before we started recording. And so the hypnosis and the meditation and so on, it all takes us into the brain state. Yeah, so um, so when we're active and alert and we're using our uh, sort of beta, beta brain, 
Um, if we if you go back many many years ago, caveman sort of era, um, the the beta brain was only really used uh, for very short amounts of time when someone needed to be ready to take action, be alert. Um, and we find ourselves now, most people, I'm sure, in that state all the time or virtually all of the time. And our just brains and our bodies are not designed to do that. Um, that we, you know, our bodies get flooded with adrenaline. Um, we're just always, uh, you know, kind of ready for something to happen. It's not, it's not good for us either physically or, or emotionally. So actually, you know, consciously allowing yourself to come out of that through meditation or through hypnosis or through could be could be anything that people find to help them to just come out of that state is essential. It's essential to our physical well-being and our emotional well-being. And I don't know if I thought I've got my mind at the moment. I don't know if this is something you've had experience with or not, but there's a lot of um talk now about many people well i guess most of us have memories from the past which are just have no relevant no truth to them whatsoever but we we have things that we're convinced are true but there isn't any truth to them at all is that anything that you come across at all yeah all the time i mean the whole thing you know if you were to ask 10 people who are all eyewitnesses to something that happened yesterday literally yesterday, everyone would have seen something different, heard something different. Their version of what happened would be would be completely different. Some people would be convinced that, yes, that was there, that was there, uh, when it wasn't at all. Some people would have not seen something that did happen. Um, and that's, you know, our, the way we... We get bombarded with about 2 million bits of information every second. Of that, we take in about 200. <laughs> so therefore, everything else is deleted. And then of what we do take in, we generalise that information to fit with our beliefs. And we actually distort that information to fit with how we expect the world to be. So if that's what it's like for something that was yesterday, you imagine going back, well, for me, a very long time ago to what happened when I was five or 10 or whatever. Our version, our memory, our version of what happened at the time probably wasn't correct. And then our memory of what's happened is even more distorted. And so does that, um, how does that affect how you work with people? Does it affect you at all? In what you would no. Because, you know, somewhat if, if it's about um, if a particular memory or a particular experience that pe people have had or a person has had um, many years ago has created a belief or created a, an emotion or created a behavior that is disempowering for them, it doesn't matter actually whether that memory is right. It doesn't the focus is all about um, helping them to upgrade that belief or resolve um, the behaviour or resolve the emotion around whatever their version of, you know, memory is. It, it doesn't make any difference whether it was accurate or not. So if anyone who's listening to this now and is thinking, um, 
yeah, I've got various issues around whatever the topic might be. Well, well, actually, let's, let's reframe that. What what kind of things do you think you're best able to help people with? So someone's got an issue in their heads at the moment. What what do you think you're best at helping people with? That's a that's a tricky question because it's so broad. It's anything that is affecting them having an empowering mindset. So any belief that they've got around themselves, about themselves, uh, any behaviour that's getting in the way of them being, doing and having what they want in life. And that might be a, a behaviour that they're, something that they're doing that they would rather not be doing, or actually a behaviour such as uh, a fear of failure or a lack of courage or uh, a lack of resilience that's stopping them from achieving what they want to. Or anyone that has a really clear outcome, knows what they want to achieve, but just can't get there. And they can't work out what it is that's blocking them, what obstacle, what challenge. Um, And therefore, I would work with them to help them to surface what that is and resolve it. So it doesn't really answer your question, I'm afraid, Tony. But it's so broad. Yeah. Anything that's mindset related. And and I'm guessing one of the biggest mindset issues with many people, and I think it used to be mostly women, but now a lot of men suffer from this as well, is imposter syndrome. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's when is that when is someone going to find out that I'm really no good at this? Yeah, absolutely. And um, that is normally linked to, uh, you know, a belief that they have about themselves in terms of their capability. Um, Or it could be a lack of self-confidence. It could be a number of number of different reasons why that imposter syndrome is there. Mm. But it is definitely, definitely a very common one and I think you know I think even even people that have done a lot of work on themselves it will still pop up every now and again in terms of they're going to find me out this time they're really going to find me out it's there and and once you've kind of got the big stuff out the way that might be causing it it's then about having some helpful tools and techniques that will help you to um stop it stop it bubbling up and one of the things that's really helpful um if you're going into a particular event or a particular uh, social setting or meeting or interview or whatever it is and that imposter syndrome is just starting to to surface and um, doing a visual rehearsal before you go into the event and really seeing that event, whole event, start to end, play out exactly as you want it to, getting the result you want, being the version of you that you want to be. Um, A bit like I talked around outcomes at the start, that visual rehearsal can create a, a future memory and ensure that you spot the things that are going to help you to achieve that successful result in that meeting event or interview or whatever it might be and that can really help with imposter syndrome 
Coming back to health and wellness, um, a lot of people are quite reactive when it comes to health and wellness, and they just leave. They have like a hundred percent faith in their GP, and whatever the GP says is that's like you know, as as if it's been said by a sermon from God Almighty kind of thing, and they don't question it at all. Um, and that can lead to not great outcomes in some cases it seems do you find people who come to you are maybe more reactive uh, sorry more proactive in taking an approach to to their health i think yeah i think there are two two scenarios there i think there's a scenario where they've tried that uh i believe in everything my doctor tells me and whatever they want to prescribe to me, I'm, I'm sure it's going to help. They've tried that. And whilst it might either work short term or it might kind of put a sticking plaster on the situation, they've found that it hasn't actually helped them in the long term. So I do get people coming to me with in that scenario. And then, yes, you've got the people who don't want to just take you know, what their doctor says for granted. They don't want to, to take that approach and they want to try and find a different way of, of, of dealing with whatever it is that they're struggling with at the time. By actually taking responsibility, I guess, is what I'm trying to think of for your own health. It can lead to, you, you're, in more, you're more in control of, of what happens to you. Is, can you see any downsides to that? the top of my head no I mean I I would there are some situations where uh, getting the support from a doctor or you know anyone in the medical profession is essential and necessary that's not necessarily not taking responsibility that's about looking at the situation and maybe taking a, a rounded view on there might be a number of things that I can do to help me from a health and wellness perspective. And I'm going to take responsibility of doing as many of these that I think will help me as possible. And one of them might be, you know, support from a, a GP and one of them might be um, having some coaching and another one might be getting more exercise. And, you know, I, that to me is what taking responsibility is. It's it's doing whatever I can within my control to get the best outcome. Yeah, that was a good response because it wasn't a great question. I was trying. <laughs> was it? Was it uh, the right no, and I, I, I had something in my mind and it just went and it wouldn't come, but it was a good response. So <laughs> changing the subject slightly. And before, I mean, one, one of the questions I often ask guests is, is there a book that's particularly moved you in the last few weeks, months, years? Is, is there anything that comes to mind that a book you've really enjoyed? So there's a book, not necessarily that's moved me, but which is just super fantastic and really helpful from a, a mindset perspective. Very easy to to read, to pick up, to uh, just take snippets out of. And it's called A Toolkit for Modern Life. And it's by uh, Dr. Emma Hepburn. And it is a fantastic 
book, I would advocate everyone to read it. And I think it says here, yeah, a mandatory read for anyone with a brain. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a superb book and super um, uh, easy to dip in and out of as well. So if people want to find out more about you, Joe, where's where's the best place to look? That's like, so social media and your website and so on. So, yes, I am on social media. Um, I also have my own website. And um, fortunately for me, there aren't too many people with the surname Uff. So <laughs> if you put Joe Uff into Google, then I pop up and it's, it's only ever me that pops up. So, yeah, there's my uh, my website is there and also social media links would be there too. And finally, is there is there a quotation that you particularly like? Yeah, so there's one by Dennis Waitley. He's, um, he's an American-born author, um, uh, psychology of winning. He did he did some some books about that, and he's a motivational speaker. And one of the quotes that just sticks with me, um, and I use quite a lot, is it's not who you are that holds you back, it's who you think you are not. And we the only limitations that we have are the ones that we place on ourselves. And we limit ourselves because of what we believe we're capable of or not capable of. And it's so often untrue, but it's our own selves that get in the way of us being, doing and having more of what we want in our life. Such a good quote, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, Joe, thank you for your time. And yeah, really appreciate you, you sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Next week, episode 29 is with Devin Burke, and he's a professional speaker, best-selling author, coach, workshop facilitator, and the, infound- the founder of the Empowerment Wellness Solutions, which is a company focused on empowering individuals and organizations to increase their capacity and performance. So we talk a lot about sleep science and various areas around that in next week's episode with Devin Burke. That's episode 29. If you enjoyed this week's show with Joe Uff, please do share it with anyone who you feel could get some, uh, maybe some real value from some of the uh, content that Joe shared with us. Hope you have a great week and see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Sign up for email updates and learn about coaching and workshop opportunities at TonyWinyard.com. See you next time on the Habits and Health Podcast. Thank you.